What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Tales. I am your host, Ahmed Ahmed, and my co-host... Blake Barty. How's it going? And over here, working all our magic, puppet master, engineer, producer, uh, videographer, editor, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-all, Wolf Ramirez. Thanks, man. And then our special guest today is the one and only Dwayne Perkins. Give it up for Dwayne yeah. Perkins. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love that you said one and only, <laughs> only because there's another comic now named Dwayne Perkins. Is there really? I saw that. I saw like, yeah, yeah. But he pronounces it the same. Yeah, I like to think of myself as the one and only. Didn't you call him out? No, you know, I never sent him a thing. You were like, no, I never. I'm the one and only. I've never reached out to him. No, no. I thought he should have reached out to me, but he's doing well for himself. So, yeah. Mom should have reached out. Yeah, exactly. Name my child. Well, better yet, his his manager should have reached out or his agent. They should be like, there's a guy. Anyway, SAG should have reached out. Right, but he he spells it differently, so that's how. How's it spelled? Um, D E. W A Y N E, but he's not D Wayne. He's Dwayne, just like I'm Dwayne. Do you guys look alike? No, no, no. We don't. We're both black, but we don't. We don't favor. We have completely, completely different lanes. So that kind of that kind of helps. He's cool. he's a comic for sure. I'm not familiar with his comedy, but I think he's more of a writer. He's writing, written on a bunch of shows and stuff. There's a comic out there right now. I, I think I showed it to you. Oh yeah, yeah. He goes by Ahmed Ahmed the comic. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Yeah. Like well, so, what are you? Chop liver, I'll, right? We'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll find it. We'll pull it up. Right, right. Uh, I have a picture of it. Yeah, guy. but one and only is, is we're, 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 we're roll with that. I'm the one and only Dwayne Perkins. You're the one and only Ahmed Ahmed. That's right. And the one and only Blake Barty. Yes. No, I'm just... Uh... <sighs> All right, this is going to be a fun episode. Um, just a little disclaimer. We are here at Jam in the Van Studios in West L.A. It's on Motor Avenue between Pico and Venice. It's a cool spot. It's an ex-rehab center. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I did not know that. So they, they used to, you know, uh, rehabilitate drug addicts and alcoholics. And then this place became Jam in the Van, and then all the alcoholics and drug addicts came back. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, this place is a very, you know, let's just say it's friendly. Right, right, right. Uh, 420 friendly. Right, right, right. Um, it's also located, coincidentally, next to an Islamic mosque. I don't know if you is saw that, right? that walking in, yeah. I didn't, I, couldn't, I didn't see that. That's pretty interesting. Like that's a big cool. mosque. Wow. That's how yeah. you found the place. That's why I found the place. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, it's all coming together. Oh, I, I, I believe it. I was telling the guys they should just bust open a door between, you know, like just break the wall down, right? Just right, right. the hallway. Right, right. If you want to go submit and convert, there you go. Yeah, I've never been uh, to a mosque, you know, uh, any can anyone, anyone can just roll in, right? Yeah, didn't you go to one in Dubai when we were there? Or? Maybe, but I mean, like, I've, I've never been to like sit in on a, on a, on a service. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I've sat in on thousands. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jam in the Van Studios. They have this is our podcast studio. They have a cool outdoor complex that seats three hundred people. Uh, indoor complex that seats about one hundred and fifty. There's a cool green room. It's just one stop shop for everything. So jaminthevan.com. Come check it out. Um, let's talk about how we met. Yes, we met in the comedy scene. I mean, it was somewhere in L.A. I can't remember where exactly. Yeah, it, it was. It was. I would say yeah, it's tough. Either the store, either the Laugh Factory, or maybe at Dublin's. But I feel like I must. Did you admit perform you... at Dublin's? Oh yeah, then a it bunch. was at Dublin's. A bunch. Then yeah. I met. I met you at Dublin's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. um, yeah, that's where I met you, and then we just kind of you know stayed friends and stuff. But we've we've both been to like the Middle East and Asia. And that yeah, kind Middle of thing. East, Asia, and um, UK as well. That's right. Not at the same time, but. I know you, you you did the UK a bunch as well. You're you're um, East Coast, right? New I York. am. Yeah, I'm from New York originally, from Brooklyn, and uh, but because you don't here. sound like it at all. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, someone will say, you don't sound like you're from New York. And I'm just like, do you have ears? Like, what's... Right. But, like, you know, when I'm in a Starbucks, you, they just they love hearing me say water and you know, all, that, water. all that jazz. Can I get some water? I can kind of cut it off a little. Not not much, but a well, little. You have the, yeah. well, you know, off. Yeah, off, you know, thought, thought off. like, all that, all of that, yeah. <coughs> How do you get your start in stand-up? <clears throat> um, for me... Uh, it's kind of a twofold thing. One, uh, I've always enjoyed making people just drop. Just so you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I've always enjoyed making people laugh, you know. And then when I was in college, a buddy of mine, who actually moved out here too, and we ran into each other again, and he was like running a studio, not like from a development standpoint, but operations. Yeah. You know, like if you needed a forklift or you know what I mean. Um, but he, uh, one summer we came back, you know, from whatever we did, and he told me he started doing stand up. And I was just like, what? You know what I mean? Because uh, I didn't even know he was funny. He, he is funny, but... He, you're like, so, if, if he can do it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, you know, when you're funny, you just don't even know. You, you just don't know, right? You, you're just right. like, I'm funny, but you don't make the connection. And so him saying that made the connection for me. And then uh, the next summer, so I kind of sat on this information for the whole school year. Next summer, um, I had a job um, opportunity in Seattle. Uh, for a summer job, and I was like, if I don't get that, I'm gonna start stand up. So I didn't get that job. What was the job? Um, it was like testing software at Microsoft. And they dissed you? Yeah, but I mean, they flew me out there. You know, I, oh, okay. I was I was like in the last final rounds. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. What was the? What, what do you think the? You know, why they cut you off? What would you think the? Good question. I feel like I, I answered one question wrong, a technical question, and um, but because I know I I I, I aced all the other stuff, and then when I got home, I realized. Well, I answered that question wrong. Right. And my mom told me, and she's not like super dis- disciplinarian or anything, but she was like, you should send a thank you letter. And I was like, you're right, I should. And I just didn't do it right away. So I think maybe I wouldn't have you know, been hired anyway, but I think if I had sent the thank you letter, oh, you know, I realized I answered that one question wrong, mm. boop de boop But it worked out well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Black but man in America. Right, right. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, that was the first, not, that wasn't the first time I flew, but. I was in a limo, you know. I'm, I was. Oh, I mean, okay. I went to that the Microsoft headquarters, you know. Right. Um, How many people were up for this job? I mean, um, at hundreds? that point, at that point, though, at the point of being in flown the yeah. there, probably ten. Yeah, probably twenty. Twenty people for five slots. Some something, right. you know, like you got a shot, but and I'm probably going up against people that are way better students than I am. Like right. I just. Where do you go to school? Um, New York Institute of Technology. So I'm going up against. Oh yeah, you know, like I, that's not like MIT. It's just it's it's you know it's a decent school. It's a private school, and I just finessed it at the the job fair. I went to a job fair and I just was like talking about my love, and I was like, you know, I had a Commodore 64 and this this, and I did. I, I think I just <laughs> I just won over the person, the lady, and so that's so that brought me out there. And I think I would have done a gr- crazy, you know, a bang up job, but I've I've flirted with that. My whole career until I jumped off and just like was comedy. There's been all a constant flotation between those two right. paths, because then when I graduated, and I'll get back to how I started. Because when I graduated um, college, I had a job offer in Boston, and then another interview in Arizona. Ooh. And the interview was like for like Intel, and it was like, you know, with, with, it was like this. They had this program where you bounce around, and it's a rotational program. I did a rotational program as well in Boston, but the Intel thing was like. It was again we're hiring twelve people. We're flying twenty four hour, and I and I was like, I just didn't go. I just canceled the interview. Why? 
Um, because I didn't want to get it, and then I'd be stuck with this other dilemma, right? Because I knew that all I knew was that like I was moving to Boston because I had that job interview, and I knew all these comics were from Boston. Mm. That I like, I knew I knew Conan was from Boston, Jay Leno. Right. I was like, oh, they got a scene there. I'm gonna be good. I didn't know Arizona. I, didn't, I was like, does Phoenix have a scene? Mm-hmm. Now, had I known that Gary Shandling was from Arizona, David Spade, I may have. It's got a little scene there. Yeah, I may have went that way, but I was like. In retrospect, Boston was a way to go. Boston oh, is yeah, a great sure. comedy scene. So then that was another flirtation. And then I didn't, I kept going these two paths. Then I was in grad school at USC um, trying to get an MBA. And I got a job offer from HP in the, um, in, the, in, in the Bay to like do like, not to program, but to like manage programmers. And then I just left grad school. And, I <laughs> and you, got, you took the job. No, no, I left grad school and I took another job just to, Hold me over, and then I started doing comedy full time. What, what happened to the HP thing? You just didn't, didn't even go to the interview. Yeah, just no, no, no. I had Bro, the job. You're really cocky. I had the job. I just, <laughs> he loves. He's it, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm blowing off fucking <laughs> meetings with these big ass <laughs> right. fucking a professional interview. What is wrong with you? No, I had the job. I I, I declined. I, I said thank you. You know, right, but right, I, right. I I didn't do it like a like no, a jackass. No, I'm, I'm fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. I just think like because that's not my world at all. Like, right, I'm very, right. You know. I have zero tech savvy. But it's not my world now, but that was like 20 years ago. So where do you, so it's obviously changed, right? So much. Yeah, yeah. Can you keep up with it as much as, Um, as a little bit, a little bit. Can you program? A little, but I think now what what I used to call programming, it was programming now is almost two different things. Yeah. Because I think programming back then was actually harder. You know, now it's just sort of like, Everything's already been written, and you're just putting it all together. Right. You know, you're just piecing the right the, piecing the puzzle together. the puzzles together. And um, so back to how I started. So now I have this thing. I'm not going to Seattle. Um, I have a little summer job in uh, in New York, and I'm just putzing around. And um, with the with the idea, I'm going I'm going to start stand up. I'm writing my jokes. I have this um, Stevie Wonder parody that I wrote. I have a Michael Jackson parody. They're ready to go. Right. My my, my Stevie Wonder parody was like, what if um, Jungle Fever, the song Jungle Fever, what if, what if it was really about Roseanne Barr? And I wrote a song called Junk Food Fever. So I put on the glasses and I sang junk food. So I had that ready to go. It's Stevie <laughs> Cater. Yeah, yeah, I had that all ready to go. Do you have that on tape? Um, on maybe, maybe, maybe. And that. I and I remember most of it too. And then um, <laughs> then I had my 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 MJ parody. Um, do you remember the time when I was black? And then I caught it. I caught. I started comedy. I caught a flag because this other comic had. He had his. Do you remember the time when I was black? Thing. Right. Shout out to Gerald Kelly. So I stopped doing it. He, you know, he he did a better MJ than I did. And then Flex also did Michael Jackson, so he had, so I just stopped doing Michael Jackson. So anyway, so I got these these jokes ready, some other little jokes I put together, and I went to this uh, Black Business Expo. That's a showcase of Black businesses, so like consumers can like you know, so Black people can support Black businesses, that kind of thing. And it's in New York City, and um, it, it travels everywhere, but it happened to be in New York City at the Jacob Javits uh, Convention Center, and I saw the Uptown Comedy Club in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And, I, and they were there to like sell tickets and things like that. But I walked up and I was like, hey, how do you become a comic? And they were like, oh, just come on Wednesday. We do a little workshop. Then you can try out on Sunday. Sunday, we at this, at this point? like 21, 22, right. something like that. And then they have, they, we have this like Sunday you come in. It's called the New Jack segment. Middle of the show. The show is bananas. And right in the middle, they put on four new comics. And then they get the audience can gets to say if you can come back or not. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah, so that like I saw them on a like a Wednesday or a weekend. So it was like a Friday or Saturday. Went to the workshop Wednesday. Went to the Improv just to check it out. 
Then Sunday I went up, went up in and, the and, in the four comic slot. Yeah, in Harlem at the Uptown Comedy Club. And then what? And they passed you, obviously. The first time, yeah. You usually do well your first time. You're running off adrenaline, and then I tell people you become a comic. You're a comic. You're not really a comic until you bomb, and then you come back again. Right. Because that means. You know what I mean? You want you, it that bad. You want it, yeah. So first week, it's I, like it's like trying to date your ex girlfriend who doesn't like you, right? Right. Or any or any drug, right? You're trying to get <laughs> back drug, to that first yeah, high, yeah. yeah. Um, as the people who come back here know. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I bombed the first time. Second time, you know, not only did I bomb I the second time, you did good the first. Time. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I did good the first time. Right. I did really well the first time. I bombed the second time. Right. Not only did I bomb the second time. Like the host, Montero Ivy, shout out to him, rest in peace to him. You know, he would teach you things. So like I think looking back, I was they they considered me a comic already. Yeah. Because while I was on stage, he started fucking with me in the back of me. He was like making fun of me. Because, oh, because I did have a wig when I did Michael Jackson. So he was making fun of me <laughs> and uh and I was a little felt away about that. But then I think back, I'm like, if he didn't think I could handle it, he wouldn't have done it. You know what I yeah. mean? Right. Do you, and, do you have any photos of that? We we got a yeah. Oh, you got man. some sunglasses. Maybe you can right, give us a little right, taste right. of that. I'll, I'll, I'll try to um I'll <laughs> try to I'll try to here. see if I can find some photos. And like the Uptown Comedy Club, what people don't realize is it was owned by a guy named um I want to say his last name was Carrington, something like that. Andre. It, it, either Carrington, I'm, I could be flubbing the last name, but his him and his brother. And his brother was in a classic movie in the eighties called uh Last Dragon. Oh, I've seen that. And his mm-hmm. brother was Show Enough. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these guys opened up a that comedy club. Leroy. I don't remember that. Yeah. Was that, was that oh. Bruce Lee? Oh, no, it was Bruce, Bruce Lee. Leroy. It was, a, it, was a, it was a black Bruce Lee, Lee, basically. It is such a oh, good... Great. I didn't see it. It's such Show a good, enough. bad Kiss movie. Converse. Yeah, that, it's that. such <laughs> a good, bad movie. In fact, that's the first movie I ever watched on VCR when I when I first ever had a VCR. So anyway, um, so yeah, that's my journey. And then And then I was doing black comedy at the Uptown Comedy Club. Started going downtown to do like the Boston Comedy Club, which is in New York City, mm-hmm. and then eventually I, I moved to Boston, and then, you know, just got my That's got my got, got my legs, yeah, got my chops there. And then, had, and then, when did you segue to L, uh, Los Angeles? Um, while I was in Boston, um, it's weird. I came to LA to do grad school. Wait, no, so you're in Boston at the same time? I would imagine, if I'm thinking timeline wise, mm-hmm. like. When Bill Burr and Dan Cook, absolutely, yeah, like Gary Goldman, and that they're guy. a little ahead of me. Goldman is my guy. Me and Goldman are like we're we're almost attached at the at the yeah, hip. He's awesome. We're doing all shows together for like a three or four year span. That's my dude, right? Um, Bill Burr and Dan Cook were ahead of you, a little bit ahead of us. Yeah, like they were already like going to New York, and, right? And Dane was already coming out here a little bit. He didn't live here yet. <clears> he would right. come out here and stuff. Patrice, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I used to drive Patrice O'Neill down to New York. Is he from Boston too? Yeah, he's from oh, Boston. Yeah. That. And so, I, I, you know, I'm from New York, but I was living in Boston. So I would drive Patrice down, visit my mom, see him perform, and not even try to get on. This is when I was living in Boston. But yeah, I would always, um, you know, go to New York with him, which was a blast. And so, yeah, those guys are doing their thing. And then um, what happens is I moved to L.A. to go to grad school, USC, like I said. Then I've got and this, you were still, what were you? I was going to get an MBA, which is a, a business, a business yeah. thing, yeah. So all of that's happening. Then I'm like, I'm serving two masters. I keep, like, I was in, I was out here, like, going to my school, doing my tests, doing comedy, four or five nights a week. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I can handle it, but it was just. So then I left school, went back to Boston, and then after a year, uh, I got Conan and I got the Montreal Comedy Festival, 
And then I came back to LA. From showcasing in Boston or New York? Or um, in Boston. Boston. So they had a showcase and then yeah, you yeah, got yeah. in on. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, Boston. And for you, for you young com young comics out there listening, this is exactly this is why I wanted you on the podcast. Right, right. Because most of the comics that I know, well, all the comics that I know really, um, that everybody has this common thread of like this ambition and work ethic to just drive forward whether you have an agent or Right, you right. You know, you don't have an agent or a manager, do you? Um, now I have a manager. Yeah, I have an agent and manager. Back then, I didn't. You did yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, yes, See, that yes, was all yes. your own hustle. Right, right. That's what Blake's up to right now. He's he's got his hustle on, man. But you certainly don't need those things. You didn't need it then. You certainly don't need it now. If you, if you don't, managers. yeah, if you don't have that. I mean, at some point, I, I disagree a little bit. I feel like now mm -hmm. is you almost need an agent or a manager mm -hmm. a little bit more. Interesting. That's just from my perspective. I think I see what you're saying. You're saying because... Well, there's just so much so competition yeah, out there. Yeah, right, right. And what I've also noticed is agents and managers these days are really key on representing uh, influencers, TikTok stars. Right, right. You know, people that can ha that have grand outreach. Draw right, a crowd. Right. Draw a crowd. They could be talented or not. They could be good looking or not. But they have something that people... Right, right, They right. get their eyeballs on. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where... It depends. It, it having a manager that doesn't work for you the way you think is not is worse than not having one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think some people just want to have one to have one. But I agree in, in the sense that too. Twenty years ago, comedy clubs were outside of the uh, purview, or, or mm -hmm. if I'm saying that right, of the industry. Meaning, the big the big time names would do the would come and do clubs, but clubs would book. Um, like the comic would call the club and you get booked. Right. And then it changed because the, the the big time agents started thinking, well, you know, like just hypothetically, Ray Romano is my client. You want Ray Romano. You got to take this guy. You got to give me three other weeks. Right. From my, from or, my, or take this other, oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. So like not only take this other guy, but Ray Romano is going to come and do this whole week, sell out. Um, I have other client, clients on a, on a come up, so I need another five week mm. weeks. Right. It's only 52 weeks a year. Right. Back then, the, the clubs, it's like radio, too. Radio used to, a DJ used to be able to play any song he wanted. Now, it's all regulated. They're like, these are the songs you're playing. And Monday night, for an hour, go crazy. Do whatever, yeah. Right, right. And so After com midnight. Right, exactly. <laughs> so comedy clubs are like that, where it's like, like 50, 48 of the weeks are done before the year starts. Yeah, I mean, I... And we're I, all vying for those four, four weeks. I, I'm lucky if I get, you know, the improv has been really good to me. And, and right. you know, you're not a, putting butts in the seats, but you're a great guy to work with. Right, and you're right, like, you right. think you're funny, you bring good, whatever. Uh, we'll give you Wednesday. Right, you know, right. In August. <laughs> so right, like, you right. Know, like, which is great, because then you can Which tell, is fine. Then you, you can, can start you building can it up. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I'm, so I'm, I, my point is, is I'm in that category of comics right now where it's like... Right. I'm not a TikTok star. I'm not an Instagram social media influencer right. in that sense. Um, but I like the art and craft of stand-up comedy. So it's just really about, you know, how do you garner that audience? Right. How do you build right. on it? Look at, look at you know, the Sebastians of the world and even Bill Burr and Dan Cook, you know, we mentioned. And, uh, uh, you know, the list goes on and on of these comics, Bert Kreischer. And right, these right. people are selling out theaters and... and uh, you know, arenas and shit. It's pretty incredible to see that because back when we were starting out, when I was starting out, one or two comics was selling out 
Madison Square Garden. It was Dice. Man. Mm. And like, you know, who else did it back then? I mean, I'm talking like that back, of that of then. that capacity. Yeah, I would. I would I mean, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Delirious. Could. Yeah. Eddie he Murphy did. Could. He did. There were ten thousand yeah. people at his Delirious show. Right. You know, but that you know grand capacity that wasn't happening a lot. A few comics were doing it now. You know, like George at, Carlin. George Carlin. Well, he was more of like a theater act. He wasn't mm. doing. You know, Eliza Schlesinger. She's doing. You know. Well, yeah. Huge theaters and shit. That's like. Russell well, Peters. Right, you know. right. And Russell Russell's a great example because Russell popped at right as social it was, media. The timing was perfect was, for him. Was, and same thing with Dane. And I think um yeah, that's the thing where you have to like you study it, you work hard. But the it, it, nowadays it comes back to the algorithm. Mm, and then how do you man, manipulate it and and how do you find your audience? Cuz your audience is there. It's just finding them. What you do know? you what do you love the most about stand-up comedy? Uh, what do I love? Gonna, the most? We're going to start asking you really hard yeah, questions, yeah, yeah. Dwayne. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would say I love the process mm. of um, a joke going from, you know, just an inception yeah. in your, in your right. mind to this completed bit. Mm. And I think I take it for granted. I think we we all might take it for granted. Yeah. But I remember like some like bits I've done on TV or some some of my major bits. And when I think about like, man, I was like, I was just like in the airport and I had that thought. And it was like it became a five minute bit or a four minute bit. Yeah. That's you know. So tell people a little bit. So you, you get Conan. Yes. This is when Conan was was hot. In New York. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. And I saw your set. It's on it's mm -hmm. on YouTube if you just yeah. type in Dwayne Perkins, Conan O'Brien. But uh, it's really funny because you're a really clever writer, and I you oh, know thank that. You. Thank um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get Conan. Did the, did you get some heat around that where people were like, oh, we want to represent you and. You know, uh, back in the day, you did the Tonight Show. You got a right, TV right. deal, right? Yeah, I think I think when I did, I got Conan and I got Montreal same year, and that did give me representation and brought me out to LA pitch meetings and all like not as many pitch meetings as I would have liked, but pitch meetings and all that kind of jazz. But representation because you reached out to somebody and said, "Hey, I just did Conan. I want to take a meeting uh, with you." Or no, somebody they, found you they and found said, me. We I heard about this guy. They found me. Awesome. Yeah. They found Those me. are the best calls I get. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing about LA, like. It's okay to come here, you know, mm. but typically you should come if you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you wouldn't go to someone's house if you weren't Man, invited. Man, you, you know? couldn't have put that in better words. That's that's so true. That is so fucking true, man. And And you know why? Because unless you're just a master at... I had to get so good at at my work ethic, which can still be better, but you don't get better at stand-up here. Some people do. Like, you're from here. I agree. You started here. Some, it depends how you approach it. Yes. Like, I, you know, I, I got good at it here uh, because I was also running my own rooms. Right. So I was creating right. my own stage yeah, time, the, the, and the I was also wearing, yeah, and, and I was wearing a producer hat. But you're, you're right. L.A. has a laziness, or actually it used to. I think there's more right now. There's a lot of mics right, right. and rooftop comedy and outdoor this. And, you know, I was producing some shows during the pandemic. There's a, right. LA is a very saturated market right now, actually, for comedy. But but when I was starting out with the three clubs, maybe you go to the Ice House. It was, you know, it's it's a little scattered. You know, New York, <laughs> can you hear the drums? It's all good. I wasn't sure. If, I, was I like, don't know. If you guys heard the, that noise... 
That was a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, this, we're at Jam in the Van Studios. Right. They have live well, music. And that's going the thing. On. Like, if, if you're in LA, if you if you're from here, know the lay of the land, and you know, okay, I'm gonna go to the Valley, find some rooms that no one knows about, or OC, go out to the Inland Empire, places that are a little bit on the outskirts, so you can get good without people seeing you. Right. But if you're a comic coming from somewhere else. It's, it's the worst. Actually, I'll take that back. It's if you start start here, you have a shot. But if you start somewhere else and you come here not invited, it might be a shock, right? So, so they say you go to New York to build an act. You come to L.A. to sell it. Right? Yeah, right, right. And so if you come here prematurely, what will happen is that's all what people will see you as. Right. Whatever and you, you kind of you kind of well, you yeah. probably get overwhelmed by the amount of comics waiting for stage time. Well, it's kind of like. And that's the thing. I didn't. I came here because my manager at the time and my agent wanted me to come here. I was going to go to New York, and like my Conan appearance on New York was going to just open up every door. Mm. He's a comic now. He's been mm. on Conan, and then you come here, and it's like no one cares. Nobody cared. Damon Wayans is, is just just popped in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what What happened with so you, then you get JFL? JFL. If you don't know what JFL is, it's the uh, Just for Laughs Festival, right, comedy right. festival in Montreal, Canada. It's it's the biggest, it's the world's biggest comedy festival. Right, it's right. the best one out it's, there. It's a great festival. Um, how'd I, you get that? Um, yeah, they saw... They s- and were you like a new face? Yeah, it was a new face, new face with yeah. Gary Goleman, actually. Oh, okay. Um, with Gary Goleman, Gabriel Iglesias, wow. um, Daniel Tosh. Wow. Good company. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, Vinny Favorito, uh, Chuck Roy, a few more that I'm forgetting. Some, some great comics, though, that have all done great things. And not I if you not if you forgot them. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, maybe I didn't forget them. Maybe I just forgot that they were there with me. I'm joking. Because I went to Montreal like two years ago, and uh, I was with, hanging with some friends. And they were laughing at me because I kept running into people, and I would be like, "Oh, I did new faces with this guy. I did new mm-hmm. faces." And they were like, "Did you do new faces with everybody?" You know, it was just kind of a weird thing. <laughs> so yeah, that got me a lot of meetings and everything. But I will say that it it, it put me on a different trajectory. I, I have no regrets at all, but. I do think that my mind and my way of looking at things, I was poised to just take stand-up to this next level. Mm-hmm. You know? And because you know, you're young, you're funny, you're a good writer, or whatever have you, it's sort of like you, you, you start taking on others' ambitions. Not to say I didn't have any ambitions to be on TV and things like that, but it wasn't immediate. Like My, my singular focus was just to be, keep getting better as a comic. And you and did. You became, got on Netflix, right? Right, you right. But, but it took longer because it, my I had to like I started to my ambition started to be get on TV, mm. and or like as an actor, as mm. a writer, sell TV shows, and I'm I'm with that all of that stuff too. But I just think like my first few years in LA, I just I didn't manage that quite right, and I realized like comedically there were some guys that I knew from like New York and Boston, who like kind of caught up to me, not caught up to me in terms of like. You know, comedy is completely subjective, but caught up to me in the sense of that they were getting acknowledged as, Success, as great right. comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just just from comedy, and they and they deserved it. And I just think, what would you have done better? I think I just would have or done differently. Sorry, yeah, done differently. Just just focus on the comedy more. And so, and then I would have been like, and I could have still done this, but I would have been right on, on the forefront of like email lists and building your audience mm-hmm. and all that all that stuff that I kind of knew but you know it's sort of like I'm here on my journey I'm, I'm writing jokes I'm trying to get better in LA where I'm only doing 10 minute spots so I'm not even doing 
my 45 minute spots. So I really have to like every stage time, every bit of stage time you get, you have to use and make sure you use it right, right? right? And then in addition, in addition to that, auditions and do this character right. and do this and write this and write that. <clears throat> yeah, I think I just would have been like hit the comedy really hard, right? And build up my email list. You know, it's it's the the perfect analogy is rap music. You know, right? Because what happens is um, what happened is East Coast rappers and West Coast rappers, there was a path to record deal. Mm. So basically, you you did you just got really good. And then you got in front of the right agent, the right um, record exec. You got a record deal. Mm. What down south, there was no path. You had to move to New York or move to L.A. Right. Eventually, Atlanta became that. So what the down south down south rappers did was, they they got good. They got their songs together. They sold records out of their truck, out of their trunks. Mm-hmm. Yep. They they basically like MC Hammer. Yeah, they just basically did Didn't it that MC way. Did MC Hammer do that? Yeah, he did. And and sometimes that's better. Um, because then, like, the the gatekeepers can't control. They your... can't control it. Because what happens is the gatekeepers kind of like they they fix the game a little bit sometimes. And and a the lot people, of the time, and the people they choose are good. They don't yeah. choose whack no, people. But they definitely push. Yeah, the, the the comedy industry definitely pushes towards like certain people. Like when they want to make you absolutely, a star, absolutely, they will make you absolutely. a fucking star. And so if you're caught up in that system, and then they decide that you're not a star, you're like, oh, what am? But if if from the beginning your brain goes, they're not fucking with me, then you you act accordingly. Just when I was own, on tour with yeah. yeah, when I was on tour with uh, Russell Peters <clears throat> back in two thousand eight, Russell Peters took me and Joe Coy. Oh, nice! Yeah, on yeah. a three week tour around Australia, first class, five star hotel. He bought everybody tag watches. Russell Peters is one of the most generous. He's a great guy. Not yeah, like absolutely. comics, just people. Yeah, you know, he's absolutely. just such a great guy and. Uh, and we had fun. He was that's when he was like right on his rise. Right. So he was selling like three, four thousand seat theaters and right. we were opening for him. And um Joe Coy would get a standing ovation every night. Because mm-hmm. he would end it with his he always has like a karaoke, like a Michael Jackson song that he right, sings right, right, right. going back to Michael Jackson. <laughs> Yo, if you can sing Michael Jackson in a comedy show, you're yes. gonna fucking get I once I once sang a song like Joe Coy once sang a song at like this Vietnamese restaurant at midnight. Mm. And it was packed with people, and everyone sang along with him. It was it was bizarre. But anyway, go ahead. No, that's it. Well, that's yeah. what he did in front of three thousand people in fucking Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't remember what the song it was, but he ended it. Thank you very much, and, pe- and people fucking stood yeah. up. So right, I've never right. seen anything like that. And I was like, this guy's onto something. And then he he would it's, Russell and I would do meet and greets. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joe Coy would go grab a stack of like at least 300 like three by five cards mm-hmm. with his face, his name, his contact info, email, right, blah, blah, right, blah, blah, right. Blah, and stand outside and hand out these fucking things to people. And that's that's how he that's a part of his. So he could come back to Australia without Russell the next time or whatever. Well, yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and he has so far. Yeah. yeah. You know, many times. I mean, you know, he know how he's selling out. Fucking, you know, arenas too. So well, and that's the thing. I think the thing is sort of like it's better if you know if if the machine or in, in anything in life, it's better to know if people are really with you or if they're not with you. But if mm-hmm. you don't know, then you are going half speed, and then you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, because like uh, Russell is a great example. Russell's done such great things in comedy mm. because super funny from Canada, mm-hmm. Indian, 
represents people that kind of no one was really checking he's really for. good really good at accents really good at accents. like he's a good actor crowd work central. crowd work yeah, is great yeah. right and which is all all super dope for people also who are like not used to stand up mm-hmm. you know what i mean like if you never if you've never seen stand up before you want to see russell yeah. Oh yeah, you sure. don't want to see Seinfeld because you're like, no. what? What is this guy talking about? Right, socks? Right. What, what, yeah. I don't even know what's happening what's right the now. Deal with socks? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and so Russell struck. It's, it's such a perfect thing. And what I love about it yeah. is that if you, I could be wrong, but just looking at the industry, like if you go back to 2007, right, mm-hmm. and then like, or whenever before Russell popped, and whatever Indian comics were doing comedy, mm-hmm. even if they were new, just anyone you could find, the industry wouldn't have, they wouldn't have chose Russell. Mm. They have to deal with him because he's undeniable. Yeah, yeah that's, you he know is, I mean? that's undeniable. That's, you know, Barry Katz used to say that. You got to be undeniable in this industry. Right, and there's a few ways not, to do not that. Only, not only with, like, garnering your audience and crowd, but... <clears throat> on stage, like always, be funny. Absolutely, and not not in that Harvey Weinstein way. Let's just be clear. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you hate What do you hate most about stand up comedy? What do I hate most? Hmm. About the business, not the craft. Okay, the business. Um, like what bugs you? Because I got a I got a laundry. You know, I try, this is going. <laughs> I try not to be. I try not to be like uh, get off my lawn, like the old guy screaming. You know, I think what I don't like. And, and it's, it, I don't even know if I'm hitting it exactly, but I think it speaks to it. I don't like that people who are new in comedy will try to discredit it while simultaneously think using they're, it, think they're owed or using it, it to help their careers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, like you said, rooftop shows. I love rooftop shows, right? But now you're seeing all these shows that are like um, experimental. And, I, and I'm, I, I think it's all good, but it, it, it it's to the point now where, like, in L.A., for instance, if you're doing comedy on a Friday night at the Improv, right, it's almost implied that you're a hack, you know, because you're not in the back of a record shop or <laughs> in someone's backyard, and it's not like some weird show where you have to dress like, you know, your favorite uh, forefather. And, you know, like it's just like... <laughs> Like I know what show you're talking about. No, I, I like, and I do that show. I'm not, I'm not even, <laughs> I don't know what I'm you're saying. You fucking did it. I, I like that show. All I'm saying is that <laughs> I just don't like that it implies that regular stand-up is, is dead. no longer good. Right. Yeah, I feel you. And it still is very much good. Very much like we're talking about this art form that you know has been been done in New York City and still being done. And I don't mind that it has. I understand it has to evolve, but some of that evolution is because some people don't want to get good. Mm. They don't want to... Because it's not an easy road. Like, right. you have to enjoy you, it. You're saying, like, self-sabotage. Well... They don't want to get good because they're afraid of success or they're afraid no, of no. the time that's going to take... The time, right. right. So instead of just being like, I'm going to work and do all these clubs and get good in front of all types of audiences, it's an arduous task. Mm-hmm. They go, uh, I'm going to discredit all of that. You know, it's kind of like when Dame hit, Right. Dame was a force, and we were there, right? Yeah. So we know he yeah, was a force. Was right no matter what you, life. you know, if you like him personally or not, Dame was a force. He, 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 like, he was a rock star. He would go to Dublin's, he was a rock star. And as soon as he really hit hard, all these, you know, and I'm not, and I like these, I like these guys too. They, they're funny. But all these, all these alt comics, it felt like a, like an all out attack on Dame. Oh, for sure. Right? He was the most attacked comic 
right. of all time, I think. And it well, was because... Him, him and Mencia. Yeah, him and Mencia. And, and he's... And Mencia, I get a little bit because of the joke that... But <laughs> but uh, Mencia's hilarious, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but Dane, I don't think he deserved it to that extent. And maybe some of it was, like, personal stuff that was, like, not comedy-related. But I do think that a lot of it is, I can't do what this guy does. Well, maybe it's back to the hip hop analogy where you know, like people are like, "Oh, you went mainstream, you're a sellout or whatever." So they want to keep it underground, keep it you know, little right, clubs, right, and then they right. see you doing these big arenas. Dan Cook was doing something no other comic was doing, <laughs> not only on stage back in that time, mm-hmm. like in the late '90s, early 2000s, right, right. but you know that he was right on the brink of monop- <laughs> monopolizing uh, MySpace. Absolutely, and that's how he sold a Absolutely. million uh, records Absolutely. and all that stuff, and. But you know he was smart in that sense, and he was ahead of his time with technology, oh, yeah. and IT, and but, that kind of but shit. But also material-wise, I, I've opened for Dane a bunch. Like uh, you know, I was on tour with Dane, and you, you, like after what he would do a meet and greet, right? Mm-hmm. And you would see the people. It, it would be like, and we were like probably like in, in our twenties. Another room. Yeah, it's like because <laughs> you think people try to say Dane's comedy was bro comedy, and it's not true. Like Dane is like he's actually a nerd who became a bro, yeah. but is still a nerd. And so at these shows, you'd see goth chicks, you'd see frat girls, yeah, frat dudes, bros, Dane old women, young, everybody was there. Bro, he's posting stuff on Instagram playing like Call of Duty or whatever. It's like, he, right, he's right. definitely, I know, he, I know he has a nerd side to him. I like Dane, he's always been a, you know, right. you know when he was doing Dublins with us and stuff, he uh, he was just one of those, like you said, force of nature. And then he, and then he blew up and then he had a lot of these, these people hating on him. But, um, uh, right, but they hated on him specifically because they they weren't willing to to get as good as him. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like when you go to a restaurant and like they bring out a, pl- a big plate and there's like a one fried bug and a leaf and bubbles and you're like, what the <laughs> hell is this? And they're like, oh, this is great. And if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. Right. It's the emperor's clothes. You know what I mean? Right. But there's a reason why people like burgers. They're undeniable. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: we, yes. we're going to wrap it up soon. Uh, I'm going to ask you your 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 best Hollywood tale. In, oh, right, right, right. In, in right. a minute. Yes. But if you can, if in a couple minutes, if you can uh, tell that story about why you don't fight anymore. <laughs> you told me one of the fun. So Dwayne and I have traveled to the Middle East together. We've, mm-hmm. we've traveled uh, to, eight, when I was living in Malaysia, you came. Absolutely, yes. He, he's very well known in Asia. Great host, too. I stayed with, Mandy he showed me a great time. He's, Malaysia was fun. Uh, we were hanging out a lot, but, um, we were, yeah, we were, you were telling me this great story about. We were talking about fighting, and you said, "I don't fight anymore because I, I had to beat up this bully on campus." Was it with the metal tray? Was that you? That told oh me? yeah, okay, okay. I know what you mean now. I know what you mean now. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. It, I was much younger. I was much younger. But uh, but you said that was the last kind of fight you got in. Yeah, it was in fifth grade. Um, so funny these story. these twins used to always pick on me. <laughs> They were twins. Twin. Yeah. Twin and, and bullies? And I don't know if it matters, <laughs> but they were Puerto Rican twins, right? So I, <laughs> they were. Um, <laughs> I, I won't say their names, but they're, they're good dudes. And and so, but back then, like, it was like every year they're picking on me. They try to, st- anything I had, they would try to steal. They try to steal my ski hat. And so we had we had some run-ins. Um, were they bigger than you? Uh, maybe a little. They were one year older. And so they they were they were one year older, but then they had a brother who was one year younger. So I was sandwiched in by these guys, right? And um, and I I was a free lunch kind of dude, but that day we went on a trip, 
to like a zoo or something. I don't know. And I, I missed so many trips. People don't know this. I would always miss the trips because I would get in trouble. Mm. And then they'd be like, you can't go on a trip. I'm like, all right. <laughs> this trip I did go on. So the reason why that's important is we got back early enough to, to be in a cafeteria and I had a can of um, Country Time Lemonade. <laughs> Full can. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> we're sitting there and I don't know why this guy started messing with me. And it was so stupid. It was such a, f- a fifth grade kind of thing. And he got in my face and he was like, you're, you're a punk, this, that, and the third. And I was like, whatever, man. And I, was, I still was like, I had my comedic spirit. So I was like, whatever, man. He was like, yeah, you won't do shit. I bet you won't touch me. I bet you won't touch me. And I just he started on I you. just touched him like that. Like I just literally <laughs> just touched him with my with my pink yeah. my, my finger. And then he punched the shit out of me in my arm. He's like, you won't touch me again. And I just touched him like just like that. And he punched me again. So like I'm being funny, but I'm getting mad. He's punching me really hard, right? Yeah. So that happens like two or three times. And I'm just, I'm just so mad, but I'm like winning in a sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that be you're winning? Ag- you're yeah. agitating him. Yeah, I'm agitating him, but he's punching the fuck out of me, and I'm just touching him. Just I'm, I'm literally just, just, t- like, just like E.T. and Elliot. I'm just barely <laughs> tapping him with my pinky, and he keeps punching me. And at this point, like, the, I just can't keep this joke going anymore. So he walks away, and I go, yo, and I just throw my full can of Country Time Lemonade right in his face. Fuck yeah. The can hits him directly in the face, and then his, his twin saw it. And his twin grabbed a metal tray and chased me all around the cafeteria. And I was running. And then, and then somehow, usually the rumor mill doesn't work well for you. But somehow, like the next day I came to school and it was like, Dwayne beat up the twins. Yeah. I don't even know how that, like me hitting him in the face with a can of Country Time Lemonade. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm telling you, a full can of Country Time Lemonade when you were like in f- fifth, sixth grade, that's, that's your whole face. Like oh, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, it messes up your next year. So uh, that was actually, that was a turning point of my whole life, though, in a sense, because I hit him in the face. He chased me around with a metal tray. And then later that day or next day, there was this intervention, you mm. know, for me. Because mm. I got into a lot of trouble. I wasn't a, I didn't start trouble, but I was, I had a temper. And I'm, I had, I was in, in the principal's office. I'm sitting there with my mom, my grandma, um, my teacher, the principal. And my first grade teacher, who was still kind of just watched over me, wanted to make sure Mrs. Ballard. And they were all just like standing over me and just looking down at me like, what are you going to do? You know, we know you can do better. That's like an episode of <laughs> Everybody Loves Chris. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and then you've, you've, you've become like a man on the inside. Exactly. And that, 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 was, that helped and hurt me because basically I was like, okay, I can't lose my temper anymore. And so I learned how to not lose my... I didn't learn how to be mad. I learned how to not get mad. Does that make sense? Okay. So yeah. basically... How you, how you react to something. Less things made me mad. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, like, if someone did something to me, I would, like, try to understand them. They did it for this reason. They did it for that mm-hmm. reason. And so I feel... People think, oh, that guy never gets mad. But when I do get mad, I still get just as mad as I did. Mm-hmm. So I, I, have to, I had to work on how do you get mad. But I would be... <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> <In that country laughs> <time>. Right. <laughs> So yeah, I had to. Uh, that was a that was a crazy little moment for me. That they, you know, because because when to do something like that, that's that's outrageous, you know. Yeah. Like, well, you don't. You know, you're in the fifth grade. You're probably going, you know, through puberty. You don't know any better. Yeah. Plus the guy, you know, the guy kept on. I probably would have done that. Yeah, and I, I think I am. Yeah, you you, you you might have done that. <laughs> yeah, because I know how you are. Like I get mad. I get mad like you get mad. Yeah. I've seen you be mad, but except I get mad less times. Yeah. But I. 
we have a very similar yeah. anger reaction to yeah. things. And then that so though that's something like they were they got into trouble a lot too. So they said to me next day, they said, We're gonna get you to summer. Damn. <laughs> they and the you? whole yeah, the whole year, like I just was like, it, the school it went by so fast. I was like, fuck, the summer's here. And and we we all lived in the same neighborhood. So I was just like, eh. I was just fucking looking over my shoulder the whole summer and they never messed with me again. And they were not soft. Like they went on to be they were like Ooh. gangsters. They I you know. They they held it down. They might have sold drugs. Yeah, they just never mess with me again. Thank God. <laughs> By the way, this is liquid death. It's not alcohol. <laughs> right. It's not beer. It's actual mountain water, and it's really good, actually. From the Alps. Yeah, it's really good I water. They, yeah, it's they, such an odd name. One of the sponsors here, I guess, at Jam in the Van, Liquid Death Mountain Water. Check it out. Yo, uh, really we're good. gonna wrap it up yes. in a minute. I just want to ask you what's next for you, what's coming up, and then tell us your best Hollywood tale. Okay. Uh what's next? Um Check my calendar. I'm doing the Gilda Ratna. It's a laugh fest. It's a festival in honor of Gilda Ratna. I'm doing that um, second week of March, March like 16th through the 19th, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, wow, okay. So if you know anyone out there, yeah. uh, I'm doing um, laughs, Seattle, in uh, I think maybe later this month, in April, in April. So all of that stuff, I'm, you know. What's your Instagram? Uh, f- uh, Dwayne Perkins. Dwayne Perkins Instagram. Dwayne, and spelled D W A Y N E. Yes. So <laughs> not the other Dwayne. Yeah, I do little videos, and you know, I try to stay somewhat active. Yeah, you've always been super prolific in your career as yeah, a writer, yeah, yeah. as an actor, as a producer. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like working on, you know, working on some um, projects that I wrote, and I just shot a project recently that uh, gonna try to go out and sell. It's kind of related to music, but uh, we're really happy with it. I can't really talk about it too much, but it's a really good project. Did you sign an NDA? Uh, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did it with my cousin, and he doesn't know much about the business, but he knew that. He was like, yo, make sure they sign an NDA. Okay. I was like, how do you know that? Keep it in the family. And my, my Hollywood story, we're talking about Dane, actually. Um, it's kind of like when I came back to L.A., it was like the first, within a week, there was a big Dane La Jolla fight, and everyone wanted to see it. And um, I was hanging out with Dane and Dan Smith, if you remember, Dan, yeah, was, remember my, Dan. Dan was my roommate. Shout out to Dan. And um, this is Boston comic too. Boston comic, exactly. So we're, we're at Dane's house. Dane used to live like really close to the Laugh Factory. He had a great, that great apartment. You ever been to that apartment? Yeah, the one, yeah, yeah. The one on like, uh, oops, the one on uh, like Sunset and like, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, like Crescent Heights and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. uh, Belushi used to live there. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Someone famous used to live there. So uh, we're at Dane's place. And we're trying to order the fight on pay per view. We can't. Like, too many people are trying to order it. So then Dane has a publicist at the time. Like, like no one had a publicist, you know what I mean? Mm. And so Dane's publicist comes over, and he's like, you guys, are you watching the fight? We're like, we can't get it. And he's like, uh, Mickey Rourke has it. We can go to watch it with Mickey. And we're like, what? And so, Hold on, is, this, is Dane famous at this point? Dane is not famous, no. I mean, he's at, like at college point. famous. He's probably done a bunch of colleges. He's not like a household name, no. In the like Hollywood scene. Right, he's famous in Hollywood. He's but like, he's, is this when he sold a million? Before that. Way before oh, okay, that, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so like Dublin's, like yeah, early, yeah, early, yeah, Dublin's. yeah, Dublin's, okay. Dublin's days. Maybe even so we're before talking Dublin's. like 1999. Yeah, 2000, 2000. 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dane is not like big, but you know he's he's got money because he's he's had a, a sure. few television deals and he he's really big in the college market, but he's not you know famous. Um, so yeah, the, his publicist is like, oh, we can go watch it at Mickey's house. We're like, okay, and it's a walk. It's not even a drive. Like we we just it's like a block away, mm. and we go to Mickey Rock's. He's got this apartment. Um, 
So my son, it's like literally, I could show, I, I don't want to, I don't know if he still lives there, so I don't know if I, so we go to his apartment and um, he, it's just him. And so we, we just sit, him, his pop, they, they have the same publicist, mm. Dane, Dan, me. And we just watch the De La Hoya fight. And it's so crazy. And Mickey Rock is really into boxing. So the oh, whole yeah. time he's talking and it, his place looks cool. So it's like, um, it was fine. You know, and comics <laughs> going to be comics. And so Dan Smith said it looked like a Turkish whorehouse. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think because he had like curtains hanging and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, like, I could see he probably lives in a real yeah, kind of yeah. gothic. Like, dark. you know, when people have curtains and the curtain doesn't like block a window. Right. It's just, just in the middle of it. It's like, what, what is this? What is right. this curtain for? Yeah, right, that right, kind of thing. Right, right. It was a nice place. Um, yeah, so we watched the fight. And um, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if he was into hydration or toning, but he did spray his face a few times during the fight. With with like a water mister or like, whatever? Yeah, like some kind of misty. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a girl doing was that he, the other day. I said, he, what is that? She I used said to it's do setting spray. I used to do that. Yeah. You know, just set, you know, balance your pH. So it might have been that. Was <laughs> he nice to you? He was, he was super dope. And I don't know if he was spraying he, his face for that or if he was like into the fight, like, you know, he, come on, Rock, you know, he, like. What the fuck? <laughs> did he did he offer you like drinks or snacks or anything? Or um, you just we, sat there. No, I think we had some water, some soda, or, or, you know, beer, or whatever. Not much, because I think I just think you know, like he didn't know where his light bulbs were. Um, but the publicist did. You know, I shouldn't. I'm spilling tea, I guess. But it was so long ago, because there was a light out, and we you know we needed a little more light. And he was like, "Where's where, where are the light bulbs?" And then the guy went and got that's the light bulbs. That's a fucking great <laughs> Mickey work impression. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of cool, but when you and that happened, like you know, I, I was here before, but I came back. That was like the first within the first week I was here. You and got so to hang out with Mickey work. You're just thinking, oh, is this my life? I'm just gonna be right. watching fights with Mickey Rourke. And right. like that same week, I went to like some party in the hills at Rick Fox's house. I'm like, what is this? But then, then it, it settled down, and I moved to Tarzana, and then uh, and no celebrities live in Tarzana, <laughs> right? Right. It just uh, became a very regular life. Yeah, that's a great story. Well, hey man, thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Uh, Blake, any last words, comments? Good. You, you you pretty much just did all the talking with us. I'm Hollywood. sorry. Thank I'm you. <laughs> hey guys, that's our episode of Hollywood Tales with my good friend and brother Dwayne Perkins. Uh, catch me on Instagram at Ahmed Ahmed Comedy. At Blake Barty Comedy. Um, Dwayne Perkins on Instagram. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> if you're ever in the West LA area, come check out Jam in the Van here on Motor Avenue. Uh, live music, live comedy. We shoot our podcast here every week. Want to thank Dave and Jake, the owners, Jake Trainer, the. What is Jake's official title? Who's trainer. trainer. Uh, venue Manager. Venue manager. Jake Trainer, venue manager, Jack Higgins, our creative director, and the one and only, the awesome Wolf Ramirez over here making this all happen. Um, we'll see you next time. Peace out. Sweet. Thanks.